Welcome to the second episode of Believe Me, Spirit Stories and Paranormal Tales. This is Miss Molly telling more stories about my journey into the psychic world. So when I was a young lady, probably about 14, uh, my friend lived in this rural canyon up the road from where I lived. And uh, she decided to have a sleepover at her house. And we were about 14 years old. I think we were just about to go into high school. It was that summer. <clears throat> and, you know, we were all hanging around. We, we got to stay in the um, little studio-type uh, coach house on the property. Uh, it used to belong to her sister. And we all got to sleep out there and pretend we were in our own apartment. Um, and there were two other buildings on the property. One was this other kind of small house, which my friend lived in with her family. And then there was a third house on the property, which was this giant white kind of Victorian looking mansion. Or I wouldn't call it a mansion, but a fairly large house for, for where we live. And it was probably, you know, over 100, 150 years old. And it seemed really strange to me that they lived in one of the smaller houses on the property instead of this big stately house. So we were over there and we were trying on makeup and smoking clove cigarettes and putting, cutting each other's hair and calling boys and doing all this silly stuff one night. And uh, I said something like, how come you guys don't live in the bigger house? And she just said, uh, it's haunted. Well, of course, you know, you got four girls all in one room being silly and hopped up on candy and, and uh, smoking cigarettes. And we decided we're going to go check it out. So I think originally the plan was just each of us was going to go inside and just say we went inside and come out. But something inside me told me it was going to be a bigger experience than that. And, and again, back in those times, I didn't really catch on how much ability I had. And I just felt like it was a bad idea. So I go into the house and I was immediately drawn to this, this book. Um, it was a book on a captain's desk with writing on the pages. And being a person who always kept a journal, I was kind of curious what this family may have written about. So I reached out to touch a page when all of a sudden the pages just started flipping on their own, just really fast. Uh, this happened at such great speed, literally my hair was blowing away from my face. And I jumped back and turned to run down the hall, but then I saw this greenish, misty apparition floating in front of the doorway. And it was definitely this older looking woman wearing a white lacy head covering and a long dressing gown, just like from ghost stories. And the energy was swirling around her and she had her hands out as if she was welcoming me. And uh, now I look back on it, I imagine she wasn't really angry about me being there. She probably rec recognized the fact that I was intuitive, but I was still not totally cognizant of my skills and bolted the moment she disappeared. I, I heard the door slam somewhere else in the house and I kept yelling for my friends thinking it was some sort of a trick, but I finally made my way outside and they were all standing near the doorsteps, their mouths hanging open. And I don't even know if we ever even talked about it. It was just so weird. So that same summer in July of 1984, my first crush, we'll just call him Vince, came buzzing up my steep driveway where we lived. We lived out in this canyon invited me to go for a ride with him through the canyon. And I was always a motorcycle person and Vince, who I adored and sometimes hated, would come by on occasion to ride up and down the canyon on his dirt bike. And from the first time we went on these little trips when I was probably about, gosh, 12, he would stop somewhere and we'd talk about school or friends or music. And sometimes, yeah, we'd, we'd smooch a little bit. 
I never really took it very seriously. That day, I, I kind of remember I was behind on some chores and my parents were mad at me and they told me I could not ride with Vince, but I could talk to him for a few minutes. I really wanted to leave and talk to him about high school. We were just about to start high school and I was scared. He was a year ahead of me, so he promised that he would look out for me anyway. He, he said these exact words. I'll always look out for you, my Molly. Remember that. And when he said that to me, I remember suddenly he wasn't just a guy anymore that I knew from elementary school. I mean, he was kind of cute and kind of attractive. And I felt a little funny, like I was sort of excited that he said that to me. He gave me this really nice long hug, longer than usual, and actually kissed me on the mouth. My parents were home. I mean, but they apparently didn't see it or didn't say anything. And he got on his bike and I noticed he hadn't worn his helmet. And I said, hey, you know, you probably ought to put your helmet on just in case. He gave me this big winning grin and tanned face and had blonde, blonde hair bleached by the sun and just a little fuzz on his upper lip, you know, just super cute. Like, like the sun was filtering through the trees and making him look very golden. He looked at me and he had these soulful brown eyes and he said, okay, I'll go home and get it just for you. So he rolls down the driveway and I thought about how giddy I felt and at the same time kind of sick. It felt like something wasn't right, but I, I just couldn't put my finger on it. So about an hour later, I get this phone call from one of my neighborhood classmates. I, I couldn't really understand what she was saying because she was choking and crying. Finally, I got out, you know, she said something like, he's dead. Somebody ran him over. Vince dead. Oh, my God. Someone killed him. I had never known anyone to die. It was in total disbelief and shock for me. I, As if earlier, I knew something was going to happen to him, and he seemed to know it, too. And and I, I guess when they found him, he did have his helmet on. And then I wondered if... Me telling him to go home and put on his helmet put him in the right place at the wrong time, and I felt terribly guilty about it. That very night, I had a dream. He came to me and sat on the edge of my bed, and he said, I promised I'd look out for you, didn't I? Don't worry. You'll be okay. I'll always be here for you. In the dream, I asked him if getting the helmet was why he was killed, and he said, No, you're not to blame. Don't ever think you're to blame. He hugged me. I could even smell the soap, his laundry soap on his clothing and his aftershave and his sweat. It was it was so real. It was it was a visitation dream, I guess. One of the group of girls who had had that slumber party I'd mentioned decided to have another slumber party right before the funeral because all of us were kind of taken aback by the situation. The parents left us alone and there were eight of us reminiscing about Vince. As it turns out, each of us had had a very similar visit from him in our dreams. And to add to it, the day he was killed by the drunk driver, he had stopped and visited each one of us to see if any of us would go riding with him. And for some reason or another, none of us were able to go. I guess the universe wasn't ready to take us too. That night, we did something that teenage girls might do. We pulled out a Ouija board, hoping to find answers to what occurred and maybe a glimpse into the future. We asked stupid questions like, how old will I be when I die? And will I go to the prom? And 
soon we began to get the real reason we were all there. The board began to automatically spell things, and even when we hadn't asked it any questions, it kept going to V and I and spelling dead and telling us to look behind us, and he's here. Again, due to our inexperience with such communication, we were terrified and swore we'd never touch a Ouija board again. The next night, I spent the night at my friend Lynn's house. I was sleeping in the matching twin in her room, and I woke to see Vincent standing by her bed and facing me and talking to her. I couldn't hear she was mumbling something in her sleep, and although I was fascinated by what I was seeing, I turned over feeling like I was sort of invading their private moment. That very next morning, Lynn told me she had dreamed about him, but I didn't tell her I already knew that. High school. Nothing extraordinary happened, but I did keep in my mind that Vincent promised to look out for me, and generally nothing really tragic occurred during those years. I had moments of strong intuition, but I managed to stubbornly ignore these signals. Once I got into college, I began to make some really bad decisions about everything from my relationships to my educational choices, career path, health. But my true love and joy was when I had the opportunity to perform in theater because it's the one time I didn't have to be me. And frankly, acting is so similar to the act of channeling, in my opinion, it's no surprise to me that I was involved in theater. At this time in my life, I was struggling with who I was, what I wanted, and where I was going in life. I focused more on my social life than my privileged educational opportunity at one of the most respected colleges in the country. I skipped classes. I spent the majority of my time eating junk food in my dorm room or hanging out with my friends in Long Beach, in particular my boyfriend and his house full of young guys. I dropped out of college after a year, though my grades were surprisingly good, and switched to cosmetology school. During this process, I gained over 150 pounds over the course of the next couple years and soon found myself in a deep depression. Fast forward a couple of years. I got married to that boyfriend and then it failed. And I decided to return to my hometown for a while with no other way to go. I got some work through a temp agency. I found a cute little two-bedroom place with a nice yard for my dogs and First night I was there, I was feeling super lonely and restless and melancholy. At this point, I was 28 years old. At about three in the morning, as usual, I turned over to snuggle with my dogs and noticed they weren't burrowed under the covers as they usually were. I got up and the air felt really staticky and funny, like almost sticky. And then I smelled this faint perfume that was very familiar, but I, I just had no idea who used to wear it. I found both of my dogs sitting at attention with their eyes staring at the light fixture in the middle of the ceiling. When I looked at it, it was turned and tilted as if somebody tried to pull it off. I can't reach that, I'm only five feet tall. And I immediately sensed that my grandma Rose was there and I could hear her laughing in my mind. And many more times that year I sensed or smelled or saw things put in sort of cockeyed positions and I can confidently attribute it to my sweet grandma Rose's presence. I no longer felt very lonely in that home and often spoke louder when I felt anxious. Over the years, dozens of coincidences and trippy things happened I didn't give much thought to for the most part. I would think of a friend and suddenly receive a call or run into that friend the very same day or I'd call someone and they'd say, oh, I was just thinking of you. So intuition can work in very subtle ways. 
In 2006, I had been shopping at this nearby outlet mall and needed to eat lunch. I suddenly craved these chicken strips I had eaten at Denny's while on a recent trip. I wasn't sure why this craving was so strong, but I went ahead and pulled into the driveway of the nearby Denny's. And as I got out of my car, I gave myself a stern talking to. After all, I'd spent years getting from 300 pounds back down to a much healthier 135 pounds. And eating this kind of junk obviously wasn't very good for me. I sighed. I chuckled to myself for being so compulsive, and I just drove home and ate something at home. But later that night, as I flipped through the local news, I was taken aback at the footage I was seeing. That particular Denny's I had just visited was the site of a mass shooting during the lunch rush. Three people died, one being a 60-year-old shooter who had took his own life at the scene, and many others were injured. It happened about five minutes after I left. To say I was shaken up is an understatement, but I never discussed it with anyone because I figured no one would believe me. So now I take you to more recent times. As I mentioned, these stories may not be in any particular order, so forgive me if I jump around a bit. This is the first time I've had an experience with an actual object bringing in spirit. I kept in touch with a lot of my elementary school friends. Um, One of my friends, Shan, uh, also grew up in that same canyon where we had that sleepover that I told you about. So she contacted me one day to see if I wanted to come by her parents' house. She was moving them out of the area to be near her in Texas and wanted to sell a few items that they were getting rid of. She knew I liked antiques. They had a lot of older things. After we visited for a bit and got a good look around, I picked a few things to take with me. As I walked to my car, she was offering me uh, this very old autograph book. Uh, She thinks she got it at an estate sale or something. It had signatures and sentiments written in this beautiful script you could see was written with fountain pens. And they went far back as the mid-1800s. And upon further inspection, I found that Mr. Strever had been the recipient of the book. If I understood what I was reading in the sentiments, he had been given an opportunity to go from being a small-town school teacher and farmer to a more important teaching position far away, and as I read through the corny poems and heartfelt sentiments and flourish signatures, I found a small envelope full of negatives uh, from a photography studio. It showed a man and a woman looking smart in their fancy clothes posing in front of a house, and another photo posing in front of an automobile. My 12-year-old stepson at the time had always shown signs of psychic ability as well, which I encouraged, but we didn't really discuss with his dad. He also had an appreciation for quirky and old things, just like me. So we looked through the pages of my book, and we discussed the history and how things have changed in the world, and he seemed very intrigued by the photographs stuck between the pages. That night, I awoke to see my husband, at the time, sitting on the side of the bed, and he was wearing this hat. I was confused as to why he would be up in the middle of the night sitting on the edge of the bed wearing a hat. And I said, are you okay? He stood up, walked out into our kitchen, and I quickly sat up. I said, what are you doing? And then my husband turned over and said, what's going on? Okay, if my husband was in the bed with me, who or what the hell was that? 
so I got up to investigate. Found the microwave was flashing as if the power had been turned on and off. I walk out into my living room and the air felt that weird sticky, staticky feeling again, as if I was walking through cobwebs maybe. My Aussie Queensland mutt was sitting at full attention staring at the bookshelf. I thought I heard Chris open his door, my stepson, but when I walked back into my room, his door was open. Let me back up. I thought I heard him close his door, (laughs) excuse me. So I thought I heard Chris open and close his bedroom door, but when I walked back to my room, his door was open. So the next morning, Christopher says to me, why did dad have a funny hat on when he checked on me last night? I almost dropped my coffee. Apparently he woke up and this, we thought was dad, had opened his door to check on him. As it turns out, this wasn't the only visit from Mr. Strever we would experience. As a matter of fact, Mr. Strever made his presence known frequently, so much so, we made jokes about our resident ghost. We spoke freely to him when he turned on things and turned things off, like the TV, the microwave lights. The husband was mildly amused, but still skeptical. After school, Chris and I were having a snack on the couch when out of the blue, my antique Edison, the kind that plays those wax cylinders, began to play. And both of us jumped out of our skin because the Edison not only hadn't worked properly in years, but it also needs to be cranked, the needle needs to be placed just so on the music, and the toggle switch has to be switched to on in order to play. So there was no denying that Mr. Strever was able to manipulate these things. After that marriage kind of fell apart, Mr. Strever's autograph book went into my storage unit, resulting in him kind of disappearing, I guess until this October, October of 2019. When I went through my storage unit to find my Halloween costume, I came across my marvelous autograph book and I brought it back to my apartment. Well, first of all, on my way back to the apartment, the windows on my car started going up and down uncontrollably. I couldn't stop it. And oddly enough, it's never happened again. So I told my boyfriend about it what had happened with the book and at that point my boyfriend's been getting a little more open-minded as I have and you know getting used to me talking about some of these psychic things and so you know told him the story so as soon as we looked at the book and talked about it I guess we put enough energy into it to start this whole thing again so we'd be sitting here and the cabinets in the kitchen would open up right in front of us or the microwave would reset and the numbers would be 1111 or 555 or something. We even had this uh, plastic Halloween skeleton sitting on top of our um, heater, wall heater, that just literally jumped off one day when we were sitting here. And then one night, uh, we got this Himalayan salt lamp uh, I had purchased and it was, it was pulsing instead of just staying on one brightness. Um, and then it stopped. And then that night we woke up in the middle of the night and it was turned up all the way, woke us up, even though I had turned it off before we went to sleep. So my boyfriend started to get kind of irritated and he said, you know, that's enough of your ghost friend. 
So I very kindly asked Mr. Strever to lay off for a while, and he's definitely been less bold. But I still sense him around here often when I have my 3.30 in the morning wake-up call that I always get. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I have this thing about waking up at 3.33 every day. Found out later on why, but we'll get into that another time. So that's the second story group of my story, of my world of psychic and paranormal phenomenon. And I appreciate you joining me for a second time. And hopefully you'll share my stories with others. And if you relate or have comments or questions, please contact me. And thank you for listening to Believe Me, Spirit Stories and Paranormal Tales. Thank you.